0: Hello, and welcome to the Life Design Podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Carlos. Uh, This episode features Robert Raymond Riapel.
1: Yeah, it was a cool guy.
0: Yeah, he was. He was great. Uh, Very much aligned in in thinking. Um, Now, what's interesting is I thought this was going to be a solo podcast for me.
1: Yeah, you did have to start it on your own, and then I jumped in. I mean, the government called, so I had had to take the call. (laughs) I don't know if you know this
0: but you're kind of a big deal not really well in my life you are thank you dear so no so so, yeah
1: I'm not there in the beginning and then I jump jump in and
0: yeah so you may hear me well not may you will hear me talk about (laughs) I'm probably doing this one solo and but it's always better when you get to join us
1: yeah of course and it went it went quicker than I thought it was going to be so all, all ended
0: well. Which if any of you have ever been on the phone with any Ooh, government, government agency, yeah. agency or institution, you know, quick is usually not something that is uh, yeah. mentioned. This is
1: not my favorite time of year when you operate a business.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I appreciate you doing it. Thank you. All right. Well, let's talk about Robert. Yeah. So <laughs> Robert is a, uh, he's, he's done a lot of training. He really uh, talks about kind of getting financial freedom. But what I liked was, and we did, we did ask him specifically like, okay, you know, is is it finance only? And he focuses, but I liked it. He, he believed, and he mentioned several times that we are holistic as human beings. And, um, you know, there is the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the relational Mm -hmm. health. And so, um, and I kind of liked the four currencies of life. I was just going to say
1: that I liked his breakdown of that and how it was very, just succinct and clear. And I I just liked it. I liked what, what he had to say about all of them.
0: Well, we hope that you enjoy this episode with Robert Raymond Riapel. and tell us what you think. If you like it, leave some comments or go and leave us a five-star rating on wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And he did mention, so I
0: just want to point
1: that out going to his
0: website. If you listen to the episode,
1: you can get a free um, e-download of his book, the last book that he wrote, and he's working on another one. So that could be fun.
0: Absolutely. And we will put that website in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening and for your support. And tell us what you think about the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Life Design Podcast. I am Carlos, and I will be your host for today. Uh, I am going to be solo today because Suzanne is off working on some other things that literally just started as we were going to be recording. But I think I can handle it. Uh, it won't be maybe as exciting for some of our listeners, but uh, I promise you that she will be back next week. Today, we have with us a host who I think has a lot of uh, in common with us in terms of what we talk about from Life Design. So Robert Raymond Riopal, welcome to the Life Design podcast.
2: Hey, thanks. I'm glad I'm here. And, you know, even though it's just you going solo, I'm sure the guys, we can handle it.
0: (laughs) You know, I I think we'll give it our best shot for sure. Um, And maybe Suzanne will, after she is done tending to what she needs to focus on, maybe she'll pop down and join us, uh, which will be for everybody's benefit. Because anytime I'm unsupervised, you never know what's going to happen.
2: Wait, are you and I related? (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. So you're calling from Alberta, Canada. Uh, and we, um, uh, we live in upstate New York. So I would imagine weather-wise we could probably swap stories about cold and snow and things like that as, uh, for, for quite a long time, because although right now I'm in Colorado, I know over the weekend, it was like minus 20 where we, uh, currently live in the Adirondacks.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's exactly it. We just finished a cold snap. We're getting a little more snow right now. But hey, even being where you are visiting at the moment, you guys get the same kind of weather we do because we're at one end of the Rockies. Colorado's at the other end of the Rockies. And it's just I love winter, though, because I love the freshness of snow. So it's all good. But the, the cold, the cold snap we went through with the minus 40 plus wind chill, I could do without that. But, you know, I chose to live here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, exactly right you know what you're getting into so well let's jump into this I uh, when I started to look at your website and uh, you and I started to communicate one of the things that jumped off the page at me is you were in you went from $150,000 in debt to then what you call being financially free at 32 so I'd love for you to kind of fill in some gaps for our listeners on that
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, growing up, one of the things I was taught, um, Carlos, is that, you know, A, work hard for a company, B, stay loyal to that company. And if you do those two things, I was told that company would take care of you. And so that's what I did, starting young, um, working. But by the time I'm 21, all of a sudden I'm being laid off from the third company i had been working for. And my mind's going, something's not right here. And (laughs) where I live in Alberta, we have oil. And when oil prices are high, we do well. When oil prices are low, we don't do well. And in 1989, when I was laid off from that third company, our oil prices were low. We weren't doing very well. And I started looking for that real job, but there was no real work because no one was hiring. So, being newly married and newlywed, I decided I wanted to do something to take care of my family until I got that real job. And I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. From delivery, I was able to go to being a store manager because of my work ethic, to then my wife and I ending up being able to become franchisees where we shouldn't have been able to because we had no money. But one of the things we do have is passion and tenacity. And at the age of 23, hello, we were able to buy two Domino's pizza stores with no money of our own. And we became franchisees. It was like, oh, we're now successful. Not because we knew how to run a, a Domino's pizza, but we didn't know how to run a business. And there's two totally different aspects there. And we were franchisees for nine years. And at the eight-year mark, though, because as we started to make money, we started to fall into one of the habits we didn't even know we had, which was spending more money than we earned. And I know you've probably never met anybody who's ever done that before. I'm probably the first you've ever met that's ever spent more money than they (laughs) earned. And by the eight-year mark, we're over $150,000 in debt. We're stressed out. We're going down even quicker. We don't know what we can do. And that's when we were actually introduced to personal development for the first time, And we learned, first of all, in a three-day training, why we spent money the way we did, based on our beliefs, how we were raised and stuff. Two, we actually, and the most important thing, we took responsibility for our debt. We quit blaming everybody. I was good at saying, well, they lost my investment, or it's because of them that this happened. So we took responsibility, and then we learned some specific skills to get out of debt, and putting into practice what we had learned, we were actually able to go from being that $150,000 in debt to actually being completely retired financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And so that's why I'm a big advocate on learn, learn and keep learning because and learn the right stuff. Because today I've spent the last 20 years and it's actually, it's funny that you and I are talking right now because April 1st of this year is actually the 20th anniversary of my wife and I retiring and don't tell anybody how old I am. Don't do the math, but you know it's been 20 years now since we retired for that first time.
0: That's fantastic. I, I love hearing that story, and I think the thing that jumped out at me was you took responsibility for it. Yeah. That of hey, it's this person's fault or that person's fault or they lost my investment, is you owned it, and I think that is something that, you know. I just think society would be so much better if we started to own our actions and the consequences of those actions and good or bad. Right. Yeah. You made those changes, right? So you owned it and then you started to put some things. So now you get to own the fact that financially you have some stability. Um, you know, you said hello in the middle of that. uh, (laughs) I jumped in. Yeah. So Suzanne did come back. The, the thing that she was working on, uh, resolved itself quite quickly. So, um, from that, front, well, I think what's what's great is the podcast will now be even better.
2: Uh, exactly. Because yeah. leave two crazy guys together and we, you never know where we're going to go. Oh, but right. bring the balance of Suzanne in. We should be good now.
1: There we go.
0: <laughs> so you talked about retirement. I'm, I'm curious on that. And, and you talked about retiring for the first time is the yes. phrase. That you, you, clearly, you're not retired. I mean, you're still working. I, for one, don't ever see myself truly just retiring. I think I'll always have something just to stay involved with. A, because I would drive myself crazy. B, because I would drive Suzanne crazy. So, talk about retirement for the first time. What does that mean?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I look at the word retirement nowadays and I go, does that just mean I'm tired again? I'm retired. And, um, you know, look at the statistics too. How many people work all their life just to get to retirement? And because they have no further plans, they actually pass away fairly soon after because they quit having something to strive for. And so when my wife and I retired for the first time, we, you know, our minds went, wow, if this little information we just received gave us the result of becoming financially free, what would more education do? And we actually started diving into learning from every master that we could from, um, could because I'm a big believer. Don't just learn one way. Don't just learn from one person learn from everybody. And for the next two and a half years, my wife and I dove into so much personal development, learning from people like Robert Kiyosaki, you know, um, Richard Branson, T. Harvecker, Les Brown, all these amazing people. And that's when I started to tap into my passion. I started to realize that, wow, if, if I could even help one person, and here's one of the things I want your listeners to really get. Where I'm at today didn't start with me having this big, huge, grandiose vision. It started with what was one step. And it was, if I could help even one person do what my wife and I had accomplished, go from financial stress to financial freedom, it'd make it all worthwhile. And so I knew I wanted to teach and I dove into how to be, I become a trainer. And because of that, in that two and a half years, I ended up being able to find a mentor that allowed me to start getting on stages. And because of that, now today, I've taught over half a million people in live trainings, three to five days long, all around the world living my passion. So for me, the early retirement was, Oh, okay. We don't have to do anything, but now I look back and go, yeah, we have to live our passions and help as many people as we can. So I'll never, you know, traditionally retire ever again. I'll just keep, keep living my passion because the money side has been taken care of the more people I help. What's interesting is there. It's a great universal principle. I love that says you will be paid in direct proportion to the value you give. And because I'm helping a lot of people around the world, money just keeps coming in as a beautiful side effect, which I love.
1: Interesting. I love, you know, anything about helping people and living in service to others, which I think we all, everyone can do whatever, yes. wherever you're at in life, we can always do that. So, so when it comes to life design, we find that many, <clears throat> excuse me, first think of all the reasons why they can't. Have the life they want or do the things that they want, rather than all the reasons that they can. So, what have you seen in what you've done as the biz- biggest reason or obstacle for people not dreaming big enough?
2: Yeah, for me, it's overwhelm that I found. Hmm. Uh, everywhere I've traveled around the world, people say they want to do more, but then they get overwhelmed, and the reason is they start to think themselves out of success. And the and the reason that is is because picture it like this: you know, like Carlos and Suzanne let's say you know you're in where you are today but you set this goal maybe 5 years down the road of where you'd like to be whether it's financially health relationships because i believe we're holistic what impacts one area impacts all areas and so we set this big goal but then instantly what does our mind do it goes from where we are today to 5 years into the future and we try to figure out all the what if scenarios what if this doesn't work what if i have to do that what if and because we're now 5 years ahead of ourselves we get overwhelmed with everything. And one of the things I love to tell people is, look, take a deep breath in, come back to the present where you are right now and ask yourself, what's one step I can take right now to move in that direction? And you know, in school, we're taught from point A to point B, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But there's no straight lines in the universe. Even if you take the straightest ruler and you draw a straightest line to the visible eye, it looks straight. But if you put it under a microscope, you see it's made up of millions of squiggly lines because that's life. So usually our journey from where we are to where we want to be, our mind tells us it has to be straight, but usually it's all over the place with twists and turns. And so we get overwhelmed because we're going, this didn't work. Why is it happening that way? Why isn't it happening this quick? Take that deep breath. Come back to the present and say, what's one step I can take right now? And that's what I've found is helped people overcome that overwhelm as well.
1: Uh, I, I can... I can see that. I know. I've I've talked about before. I've joke about how I hate five year plans. Never done them anything like that. And probably, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, probably the overwhelm thing would is probably a factor in that. And yeah. so I'd rather just you know just not do it then.
0: <laughs> well, and I think one of the things that we work on with our clients when they start getting that overwhelm of well, I want this life, but here I am now, is we ask them, so what is the very worst thing that can happen? Yes. And, and I have been on probably three or four calls just in the last week when as we go through that progression, which is, I think what you're saying is take that deep breath. And we're asking them, like, go to the very worst case scenario. And the three to four calls we have arrived at, so the very worst thing that happens is you guys are okay. You don't have to sell the house. You don't have to deplete your savings. You're not going to be destitute. Like you're going to be okay. If you just change course a little bit and start doing the things that you desire as a couple or as an individual. And once they realize that they go, Oh, and that then comes the exhale that you talk about. Yes. With most of us. And I remember when I wanted to leave the software business, um, Suzanne and I had that conversation, this was years ago. And she's like, so the very worst thing that happens is we sell the house and move into a smaller one, right? And it wasn't like we lived in some palace, but when you realize like the, 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 the risk, if you want to call it that versus the reward, the risk is so low. in, in most circumstances, it, it really does help with cleaning out some of those mental and emotional obstacles that we can stumble over so quickly.
2: Yeah. And, and one of the things that even like over this last couple of years that I've had to implement into my life is, you know, March 10th of 2020 is when my life changed because I was flying home back to Canada from an event in India. I had just finished doing a three day event. March 11th, I get locked down and instantly I went from traveling over 200,000 miles a year around the world to zero. And all of a sudden, all my live events are being canceled. And first of all, I played, my wife and I went into the victim role. We did because we were uncertain. We actually physically made ourselves sick because our mind started worrying about everything. You know, what's going to happen? And there's two words that we actually use that help us in everyday life. And those words are what's next? What's next? So when we finally, after about two weeks, got through, you know, feeling sick and playing sorry for ourselves and that, we went, okay, what's next? And one of the things, like I'm, I'm blessed that we live on a beautiful acreage of property here that we bought three and a half years ago with the purpose of eventually building a training center so that we could bring our students to us and I wouldn't have to travel as much. And so when we also went, what's next? Our minds went, well, we've always wanted to play or build a training center. It's supposed to be five, six years down the road. I'm home now. I've got the time now. Why don't we do it now? But then, of course, the mind went crazy. But what if there's no revenue coming in? What about this? What about the expense? What about this? And so then two more words that we use in our life was all in. We went, you know what? We can't sit here and play the what if game. Either we're in or we're out. 100% in or 100% out. Plain and simple. And we decided to jump in. And I'll tell you, scary as heck. Scary as can be. And it took over a year and a half to do the planning, get the financing, do the building. But now today I'm sitting in a brand new 1500 square foot training center attached to my house that we're turning into a super zoom room. I've got a 900 square foot prep room that is attached to it. So 2,400 square feet of build on that costs us a lot of money, but, and we're down over seven figures in the last two years in revenue, but we're like, this is what we're, we're willing. What's the worst that's going to happen? Worst is going to happen. Maybe, our finances keep going down and I don't train and we sell the house and buy something smaller. Okay. Can we handle that? Yep. As long as it's got room for my wife and I, our six cats and our pet pig, we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Your little oh, little wow. doctor, do you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we need to talk about that. Goodness.
0: <laughs> but no, I, I think um, and again, you know, one of the things our listeners has heard us say is follow what's unfolding. And so, yeah. right, and I remember I wasn't overseas, but I came home. And then in 2020, we lost 25% of our revenue because of my speaking fees. Mm-hmm. And then you do, you say, okay, what's next? My pity party really came from having to cancel my son's spring break. And we had a mm. week, week in San Diego at an Airbnb on the beach. That was my uh, little tantrum that <laughs> I threw it <laughs> was, oh no, but... Um, So yeah, and I think everybody can relate to that is the last two years, everybody's kind of had to pivot and Mm -hmm. rethink. And, um, you know, we're, we won't get into the great resignation. But I think a lot of people after that thought process have said, yeah, this isn't what I'm, I'm not willing to do this anymore. And so I'm going to make some changes. And I love what you guys are doing. And I, I hope the facility is chock full with people that you get to train and, and come to you guys, probably more in the spring and that, or I would imagine more in the spring and summer than in the dead of winter.
2: No, no, we have lots we can do for other activities. So, yeah. and, and I love to focus on, you know, I talk about what's called the four currencies of life. And one of the currencies I put most of my time into is the currency of experience, mm-hmm. because I don't want to just exist through life. I want to experience. So, one of the reasons we built this is so that we can have experiential masterminds at this at my place. And because I've trained 1000s of trainers around the world, I also want my mentoring students to be able to come here where I can put them in front of a camera and I can coach them one on one and have them do live events right from here, you know, on, via zoom or live and be able to coach them one on one because I want to make it an experience. And a lot of people they dream, but they forget to experience it as they go along. They think it'll all become great when I get to the end. No, experience a journey, experience that journey, all the ups and the downs so that when you achieve the goal, if you do, cause not all goals get achieved, but at least you can look back and go, wow, that was kind of cool. Or, you know, I had some down spots and, but I learned from them and you, you're experiencing life instead of just existing through life. I like
0: that. Yeah. yeah. Big, big believer in experience. What are the, so you mentioned the four currencies, experience is one. What are the other three?
2: Yeah. Um, the, the first one is the one everybody thinks about money. And when you talk about the currency of money, I've, in my research, I've realized you can either have too much money in your life or too little. Too much money in your life is called affluenza. And when you have affluenza, you start doing silly things with your money. You start making investments without doing due diligence, and then you get pissed off when you lose it. Or you start buying things that you really don't need, but hey, I've got the extra money to do it. Too little money is called poverty. And what I've realized is that there's a zone and everybody has their zone. And as long as you're in that zone and everybody's is different, your life flows well. But if you're near the poverty, the stress really comes in. If you're of influenza, again, you start doing the crazy things. So that's one of the currencies. Uh, the second currency is a currency everybody has the exact same amount of, which is a currency of time. And this is a big one. I've noticed that too much time on your hand, boredom. You know, when COVID first hit it blew me away when people were going i'm bored i'm at home i have nothing to do and i'm like at home now i have more to do i'm busier than you know than when i was traveling around the world too little time is called stress and one of the biggest things and i'm sure you too hear this from your clients as well i don't have time with my family my business i'm too i'm already busy i don't have time to do other stuff and what i've realized and i've noticed is there's a big difference most people are really Really good at being busy, but they're not necessarily productive. And again, world of difference, right? (laughs) And so, one of the things I do on my calendar is the very first thing I ever put on my calendar. My wife and I sit down, we live by our calendars. The first thing we put on before anything else is what we call our pamper pieces. This is time for each other, time for ourselves, time for our health, time for family. And the reason we do this is think about the rule of money. Rule number one, when it comes to wealth, pay yourself first. And so if that's for money, why wouldn't you do it with your time as well? And most people don't, right? They they refuse to pay themselves first. So we put our pamper pieces on. But then the second thing we put on is what I call focus time. And depending on the research you look at, the research i kind of gone by is it's been shown that you can only truly be focused on something for about an hour at a time before you start to squirrel and you're all over the place. So I could sit there, I'm writing my new book right now and I could say, hey, I'm gonna go to the office, write my book. Eight hours later, I go out and I'm like, man, was I busy? But it doesn't seem like I got much done. (laughs) And when I look, I was like, oh, was on social media. I was instant messaging, I was replying to emails. Oh, and I wrote a little bit of the book. And so what I do now is I, on my calendar is I'll put hour long chunks. So maybe 10 to 11, write book. And in that hour, that's all I'm focused on, no distractions. And I've learned in my life, it's a little different for everybody, but one hour of productivity for me is equal to about six hours of being busy. And so when people understand this, and I love doing time audits, when they understand to get themselves a little more productive, they free up way more time. And also, they go, huh, maybe I do have time to do the extra things that I really want to do. So learning to be productive. So that's the currency of time. And then the third one is the currency of fame. You know, especially with social media today, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. And a lot of people think it just comes easy. But think about the saying, I'm a 20 year overnight success. See, what people see is they see maybe the end result, but they don't see the work that you have to put into it. And we've seen fame destroy people's lives. But why is it? Fame can destroy some lives, but other people can take the exact fame and it ends up, you know, doing great. Well, it's about being you within and owning yourself with confidence, not arrogance in that space. You know, and I use the example, I saw an interview years ago with Jennifer Lopez and the interviewer said, Jennifer Lopez, you know, you are a powerhouse in business and you also do amazing with your family. How do you keep the two separate? And she said, well, I'm just me. But when I'm doing business, I'm J-Lo. That's my persona of me. When I'm at home, I'm Jennifer. And I went, that makes so much sense. See, cause when I'm traveling around the world and on stages, I have people taking care of everything for me. So I'm Robert Raymond Realpel. That's my brand. That's who I am. I'm still me, but that's, I'm known as Robert Raymond Riopel. But when I come home, I'm just Robert or Rob. And my wife and I have a running joke. You know, I get home and she goes, honey, You're home, no more assistance, go take out the the garbage. And I'm like, yes, because it keeps me grounded. You know, and so when you have that currency of fame, if you understand to own yourself with confidence, not arrogance, it's amazing what you can accomplish because it's one thing to achieve it, a totally different thing to keep it. And that's where most people implode. Same with success, same with happiness, same with great relationships. You know, that honeymoon period, and then all of a sudden, why did you change? Uh, I didn't change. I've been this way the whole way. Your filters changed. So those are the four currencies in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I
0: appreciate you sharing those. Uh, the one on time is always it's something, what you described is actually backed by science and ultradian and rhythms, where yeah. mentally we have to give ourselves a break. And then I'm also drawn to the study that was done in the UK a number of years ago, pre-COVID, that said in an average eight-hour workday in an office... The typical worker is only productive two hours and 53 minutes of that eight hours. And they described it's the conversations with colleagues, the personal phone calls, checking the social media. And so we do have this idea of, oh, I'm just so taxed. It's also one of the reasons why I hate this idea, even though I've written about it and talked about it, of work-life balance, work-life boundaries, work-life anything. Like, we have life. It's 168 hours each week. Nobody can create it. Nobody can create the 169th hour. <laughs> we have 168. So what we do with that includes work and a host of other things. And if we start to really dial in and say, let's focus on productivity over busyness, I think it it, it is such a game changer for individuals. Yes. And th- I think for them, the first obstacle to overcome is just believing that this is true. Cause I've done the same thing. I tell people, In an average work day, I'm probably only doing work work, like five hours, five to six hours a day, that's it. But the productivity and the quality is better. And so it allows me to then show up in other areas of my life for my own self, for my relationships. And it just changes everything because you really start to realize it's not about the number of hours you put in, it's the quality of those hours you're putting in.
2: Yeah, and, and you think of all the big companies out there that put this as part of their culture, you know one of my students he was a former student and became a great friend um, i don't know if you've ever heard of the company mind valley yes by vision lakiani and you know in 2008 he was in one of my first trainings our first training we ever did in malaysia in kuala lumpur him and nine of his staff he had 15 staff at the time losing $15,000 um, a month us and he brings nine of his staff to this training blows them away changes his life Six months later, they have their first million dollar month for their business made so much um, money that they were able to pay off expenses, debts by their office space. Today, he's got a company that's worth like 50 or 60 million dollars. And if you go to their offices in Malaysia, because they own the the um, that concept of it's not about how much time it's what you do with it. You walk in there and they just redid it. It's absolutely stunning where everything's all about light and glass and the different colors that the way it shines through. And when you work with them, your hours are not set. It's here's the things that we have to get accomplished. How will it work best for you? And one of the things that they actually built in, and and the way they've done it is you can climb ladders to the second level, or you you can go up through crawl holes. They've made it really fun. But in one area, they actually have two um, little bedroom pods up in the upper level. And at any time that someone needs a break, they're able to go up and have a break. It's not someone looking over their shoulder going, what are you doing? Because they know the art of keeping focused. And so if you need a break, go take a break, refresh yourself. That way you can come back and get stuff done, especially when it's coming to deadlines. That's so important because of that extra stress that gets put on you. You know, and, and I have a business partner out of Vegas. One of his things, because he's a computer programmer and he does internet um, websites, marketing, all that. He actually physically on his phone sets his timer for 50 minutes. When it goes off, no matter what he's doing, he stops the music comes on, he stands up and dances for five minutes, changes his state, sits down, resets the timer, and goes again. And because of that, his productivity is through the roof because he knows the power of taking that break.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's something I wish more people would do. I think it's something I wish more companies would would implement. And it, it, one of the things I love about it is it flies directly in the face of this whole idea of this hustle culture which is still so prominent despite all the evidence that shows it's not sustainable. Um, I, I want to talk to you. Cause you, you focus a lot on the financial side and it's interesting and I'll, I'll I'd be interested in, even in the research, you talked about poverty versus the, the mm-hmm. affluenza um, and, and much like you for us, when we've seen put purpose over profit, you know the money kind of I don't want to say it takes care of itself, like all of a sudden there's this magic pill that you take, and all of a sudden, but you do put a lot of focus on the financial side of life. And I would imagine that's because of where you came from with the debt and things that you described earlier. But talk to me about this idea that success is measured, which I believe we believe is is measured by much more than
2: finances.
0: Agree, disagree, kind of agree. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on that.
2: Oh full on agree and and look let's give a little secret one of the reasons i focus more on finances because unfortunately you can tell people how to have a great life but if until they want it they won't do it and again I, I believe we're holistic so i like to work on the whole person mental emotional spiritual physical and financial and learned years ago that you talk about money that will get people to come to you so help them money wise And as I do, I can give them what they think they um, want, which they do, but then I also help them with what they need. Because until you work on you and all the other areas, any money that comes will only be temporary. So I'm only interested in long-term success for people. I don't want the instant gratification. So I'm in 100% agreement with what you're saying because, and I just, it's that, unfortunately, you use it as a hook to say, okay, let's help you financially. Okay. Now that we're talking about finances, did you know your relationships? uh, It's the same thing. You know, if your relationships aren't working, it's because of how you're thinking about them or the actions you're taking. Well, what about your health? Guess what? It's the same thing. And it all ties together. So that's, yeah, that's the way I look at it.
1: Okay. So you talk about six steps to success. So talk to me more about that and how that evolves and changes as we evolve and change and get older and life, you know, we're in a totally different place in life than we were 20 something years ago. And just what what does all that look like and how do we adapt and change with it?
2: Yeah. And, you know, when I wrote the, my first book, Success Left a Clue, and I talk about the six steps, and, and, and I'm going to tell your audience, do not let the simplicity, because I kept it simple. I could have wrote a thousand page manual with all the science, all the quantum physics, everything behind it. People would have looked at it. Most people were 20 pages in. Yeah, too much. So I kept it simple. So don't let the simplicity fool you. But the first step is to dream, but not to dream, to dream big. And when it comes to the dreaming big, you know, as, as Les Brown, an amazing friend of mine, he says this, he says, the problem is not that we dream too big and we miss our dreams. The problem is we dream too small and we hit them, which creates a mediocre life. And so I encourage people to start dreaming big vision boards. I'm huge on vision boards. And when you're dreaming, it's not about how am I going to do it, is what would I love to have in all my areas of my life and make it visual because visual is memorable. Have it somewhere where you see it on a daily basis. Step two, then, is something that a lot of people don't think they should do or could do, and that's to find a mentor or someone to model. You know, unless you're a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk, chances are no matter what you want to do, someone's accomplished it before you. So why try and reinvent things? Why not go and find the person who's done it? Find a way to learn from them. Because not only are you going to learn the good things, but you're also going to learn the, the mistakes maybe that they made that you can avoid. But unfortunately, you know, through school, we're taught figure it out on our own. And so that's where people default to. Because if I ask for help, I'm weak and I'm cheating. If I do what someone else is doing, I'm cheating. And so that mindset holds a lot of people back. So I find, you know, and and step two comes in two parts, actually. Not only do I want you to find a mentor or someone to model from, but at the same time, ask yourself, who can I be a mentor to? Who can I model for? Who can I give back to? And when I tell people that, a lot of times they go, but Robert, I haven't really accomplished what you've accomplished. How can I mentor someone? And I'm like, I don't care. Somewhere in your life, you've gone through something that can help someone. So find people to assist. Don't wait to get everything before you give. Give right away. So find a mentor, someone to model from. Step number three, probably the biggest mistake traveling all around the world that I see the difference between people who um, succeed and people who don't is you have to take action. How many people think themselves out of success? They overanalyze. They overplan. And I love the saying that says, one step in the right direction is worth a 1,000 years of thinking about it. So that's why I like to break things down into small little bite-sized pieces. What can I do? And the easier, especially in the beginning, the easier you make the steps, the better, because you create the habit of actually taking steps. So that's step three. Step four, you can have the biggest dreams in the world. You can have the greatest mentors in the world. You can even be taking actions and having success. But step four is what sabotages most people from maintaining it. You have to celebrate your successes and people don't give themselves a chance to do that. And so when you celebrate, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm throwing a big party. I'm doing this. No, it might be something like a pat on the back. Great job. You accomplished what you said you're going to do. You know, it might be, you know, going out and having a date night with your wife to celebrate that you hit another milestone in your relationship. It, all these different kinds of things, find ways to celebrate. And then step five, it leads into is then it works with your belief in yourself. You know, probably the biggest issue I've seen around the world, no matter where the people live, the culture, the way they've been raised, low self-esteem is probably the biggest thing I've noticed that holds people back. And so when you celebrate, it allows you to believe in yourself a little bit more. And again, confidence and listen to these words, please. Confidence, not arrogance you know, you, there's a lot of arrogant people. And the reason they're arrogant is they're trying to hide their lack of self-confidence. So own yourself with confidence. And then step six, which is the one that kind of messes people up because they go, it can't be that simple. And it kind of goes to what um, you were asking about how to, how do you evolve step six, repeat the first five steps. <laughs> because what happens is you set your dreams, you find a mentor, someone to model from, you take the action, you celebrate your success. It elevates your belief in yourself. So now you can have bigger dreams, find greater mentors, have greater actions, greater celebrations, greater belief, and it becomes a beautiful perpetual cycle.
0: Yeah, I like that. And, and I'm glad to hear it's not like, oh, it's just these six steps. And then you're at the <laughs> pinnacle of success. And you know, you have hit this nirvana state because I do believe in life. You know, like Suzanne said, we're at a much different stage. When we talk about life design, I said, our life design looks different because now we're empty nesters. And it would have 15 years ago when we right. were small children. So I love that you, you basically what you say is these are six things you can do and you should be doing them continuously as you journey through life, your circumstances change. Cause you, you, you know, I know people who, you know, most people who reach a point in life where they can give a greater amount back both in time and finances and knowledge yeah. and all those things. So I appreciate you saying that one last question, which we ask all of our guests and you've already alluded to it is that life design looks different for everybody as we just talked about. And and you're a big proponent like we are of just small little shifts. Start the process. Don't keep, don't get freaked out by the mountaintop that you have to ascend in your life. Just start with one or two small steps that you can put in place So I would love for you to, and if you've shared it, just reiterate it again, give our listeners one to two small things. If they're sitting there saying, I really want to live life by design, what are one to two things they can do to start that process today?
2: Yeah. One thing is, first of all, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop it. You know, and this is where social media is one of the frustrations I have is how many people get online and they look at, look at their amazing life, their amazing life, their amazing life, and then they go and they compare it to the crap going on maybe in that moment for themselves. The only person I want you to compare yourself is to you. Am I one step further than I was yesterday? Am I moving through maybe what tore me down? Have I stepped back up? So stop comparing yourself to other people would be one. And two, You know something I truly believe, the greatest gift that anybody can give this world is to be themselves in all authenticity. And when you're yourself, either people are going to like you or they don't. And if they like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't like you for who you are, that's awesome. (laughs) Because (laughs) how much time, and I can only come from personal experience as a former people pleaser. Like if there was an Olympics for people pleasing, I was a gold medalist. I thought I had to please everybody. And no wonder I was tired. I was drained. I was wiped out because Thinking I had to, you know, when you're trying to please everybody else, you're saying their vision of you is more important than your vision of yourself. And so when you show up and you're yourself, it's going to eliminate a lot of people who like you because they want you to be something different. And it's going to attract the people who like you for who you are. And that's where the greater relationships will come. And you're going to find that you are going to have a greater life. But Robert, what if these people don't like me? Who cares? (laughs) Right? Um, I'm blown away today by the people who are attracted to my energy, when I quit trying to be a people pleaser, and they wanna to get to know me for who I am, it blows me away every day. And I go, how did I get into this friendship, this partnership, this relationship? How did I attract that? Oh yeah, I'm just me. And that's, that's it right there.
1: I'm all about that. Yep. I, I love
2: the comparison
0: thing. And yeah, we could probably do a whole other episode on all the deficiencies in social media, but we don't have the time. But uh, Ray, uh, Robert Raymond Riapel, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you for sharing your insights. We will have all of your details in the show notes, but thank you so much for taking the time. And this will be a wrap on this episode of the Life Design Podcast. And we hope that you choose to make it a great day.
1: You've been listening to the Life Design Podcast. You can find other episodes and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. If you want to learn more about our life design services, please visit us at www.yourlifedesignjourney.com.